All right. Well, if you can grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, we'll get into our message here. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, this morning, we come to part three of our New Year's series for 2024. And the title of this series is The Love That Touches Others. And we're doing a study through the chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And so, as you know, I've been mentioning that I really felt led that this was something God really was putting on my heart. And I believe He's putting on all of our hearts. And even as a church, that we would rise to this level of love that we find in the Bible. That we would grow deeper in this. Even if uh, you guys are already there, but I believe God wants us to grow even more in that. I believe God is calling us here to, uh, let me say it this way, love more in 2024. How do you like that? So hopefully that'll stick in your mind for this year, that we would show more love. You know, this world is really filled more with hatred, you know, divisiveness, hostility. And I believe that we can really be a light in the world as we grow in this and as we give more of the agape love. And that's what really we've been talking about. In this series, we're going to see three things. Or We've already started, and the first thing we saw was, what is love? And we talked about love is the agape love, the Greek word, the unconditional love. We talked about there that love is important to have in our lives. And we started in verse 4, and we looked at verse 1 through 3 too, but verse 4 talking about how love is patient and love is kind. So what is love? Love is those things. And then we went on to number 2, and we got started that last week. What is not love? What is not love? Well, we went forward in that, finding out that love is not envious, right? Or boastful, arrogant, or love is not rude, if you missed any of these, you can go back on our YouTube channel or, or do a search on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you'll find the messages there. And so we're going to finish up what is not love and answer that question here today. But next time, we're going to go on to number three, what is love devoted to? What is love devoted to? And number four in our series is what is love's lifespan? And that's, that'll be our last one at the end of this month. But as I mentioned, we... God really wants us to focus in on this and really start off this new year with this series. After that, next month, uh, we'll be going through another book in the Bible, and I'll let you know when we get close to that. But uh, for now, let's go to part three now of the love that touches others. And we're going to be covering 1 Corinthians 13 from the second part of verse 5 through the first part of verse 6, so 5b through 6a, and we're going to continue on this number two, this question of what is not love? What is not love? Now, last time we covered four things, and, and, and in those four things, uh, I think I mentioned already, we, we're learning what it doesn't look like, what it, love, its attributes are not. Well, we're going to continue on with four more attributes listed in this verse, in these verses. And I hope that God will speak to your heart. Because I believe the Lord is, is trying to grow us, trying to refine us, trying to bring us to this place where we're really living out these attributes. So anyway, let, let's pray. 
Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the Bibles in our hand. And I pray, God, that you would bless your word. I pray that you continue to transform us, God, by the reading, by the study of your word, and by your Holy Spirit. May you speak to us through your word, God, and transform us, God. We cannot do it on on our own, but you can do that work, and you're already doing that as we are here before you as your workmanship, Lord, as your creation, as you are the master working with the masterpiece, Lord. And that's what we want to be, pliable clay in your hands. So mold us, shape us right now. Anoint your word in Jesus' name. Amen. This businessman now sat down with his wife and a counselor. He didn't know what to do anymore. His wife was getting more and more discouraged, and he just didn't know. He, he loves her. He, he worked really hard, sacrificed everything to give her a good life. Well, after hearing the husband's heart and, and listening to the, the wife, the counselor knew exactly what was wrong. The counselor looked at the husband and said, I know you love your wife. I know you try to show her that But there is one thing, there is one thing that she really needs. So without another word, the counselor walked over to the wife, pulls her up out of the chair, wrapped his arms around her, and gives her this big, warm hug. Immediately, her countenance changed. She lit up. She fell back into the chair with this big smile on her face. At that, the counselor turned to the husband and said, There, that is what she needs. And, and, and listen, at least twice a week, do that. At least twice a week. And the, humbly, the husband says, Okay, counselor, I, I understand. But I can only bring her in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> well, the husband has a lot to learn on what is love. What is not love? So what is not love? We're in our second part in our series, and we're going to continue as I mentioned. And we're going to pick it up in the second part of verse 5 here. And the first thing we're going to look at is love is not demanding. Love is not demanding. Take a look with me here in verse 5. After Or's root, it says, It does not insist on its own way. So Paul's continuing to write here, the Apostle Paul, and he's bringing us these attributes of love, and he's showing us in particular in detail. And here we see that love does not insist on its own way. Now, insist here, the Greek original Greek word says, it really means to, to seek after, to strive to find. So we're We're not to seek after, to strive and find what? Its own way. Love isn't about itself, about pushing itself. It's it's not about what you want. It's not about what you need. It's not about what you want done. Or it's not about what you you think should happen. It's not about what it should be in your eyes. You know what? The NLT uh, translates this, love, it does not demand its own way. Thus, number one, love is not 
demanding. Love is not about getting your own way, but the opposite. You know, it's giving up your way. That's what it's really about. Now, what comes to my, my mind is something. I grew up in the King James and, and the New King James, and we're, now we're in the ESV, and if you want to ask me why we're in that, I'll explain later. I've told you guys before. But in my mind is Romans 12.10. And it, it, here it says, Paul wrote there, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So you understand, this is the principle, this is the attribute, this is the character of love, this agape love, this unconditional love. Love is not demanding its own way. It doesn't demand what, it's, what it wants. Love doesn't put yourself first, but really, as we understand what the Bible says, puts others first. Now, as we're reading here in 1 Corinthians 13, remember, there's a context in all of this, right? And I've been giving that to you. And and even in that, in this whole book, Paul is dealing with the problems in the Corinthian church, what they they were into, how they are off target. And one of the things is love. They didn't put love high on the priority. They didn't think that was something real spiritual. They focused in on the gifts and tongues, and that's what it meant to be spiritual. But Paul is focusing in here, saying, no, no, you know what? It's about love. That's what it's about, being spiritual. And that's what's unfolding in front of us. And and in context, so if you think about it, Paul is saying, look, love, the gifts that you have, it's about, you know, really building the body up, right? But they were into benefiting themselves. Um, even in the book of 1 Corinthians, we find that instead of protecting the honor of Jesus, these guys demanded their own rights and were suing other believers in secular courts. And Paul's like, look, that's a bad witness. You should not be doing that. And so he's bringing up here this love that does not demand its own way. I think if we think about it, the root problem, right, in our human nature, in our flesh, that it's always demanding to have its own way, right? I mean, think about how our, our fleshly nature is. I think that that's been the problem all along. Uh, Richard uh, Lenski said, uh, cure selfishness and you have just replanted the Garden of Eden. That, that was really good. And, and so our minds need to go back. To, wait, yeah, that's right. You know what? This, this is the problem here. This is my problem here. And I'm saying me. This is our problem, that we're always demanding our own way with one another. Um, how about with God? Don't we do that too? God, I want it this way. Lord, I'm praying this, and you better answer, Right? I mean, we demand things from the Lord too, but that, that's our fleshly nature. It's our human fleshly nature that, that caused that fall. And now we have that fallen nature that Christ has freed us from, praise the Lord, but still it's there creeping up. And we cater to that. So here we're, we're finding out what is not love? Well, first of all, love is not demanding. It's not getting your way. It's giving, giving love, you guys. It's giving. 
Well, number two, what is not love? Number two is love is not irritable. Love is not irritable. Now it goes on here in verse 5. It says that uh, it is not irritable. So we're talking about it, that is love. This is the agape love referring to the unconditional, selfless, sacrificial love. Number two is love is not irritable. Now, the word irritable in original language literally is temper easily. Or it's not provoked into anger easily. Uh, The old King James says love is not provoked. That's the idea. It's not like annoyed easily. It doesn't fly off, off the handle like right away. It's not like touchy, you know. It's not like someone, oh, you got to walk around them walking on eggshells, right? That's the idea. It's, it's oh, watch out for this guy. Oh, one little thing, he's going he gonna to take off on that, right? No, it, it's not irritable. The love isn't like that at all. If you think about it, this is the other side of demanding your own way, right? Because if you don't get what you want, then you get angry. You get annoyed. Yeah, you're irritable that, oh, you didn't do what I said. So love will not let that fleshly self control them. Love will not let that, that human, uh, bad, fallen nature of us rule them. But you'll let love rule. What did we read earlier, right? We studied a couple weeks ago. Love is patient, right? The old word is long-suffering, suffers long. It, it, it won't let, love won't let things get on your nerves. That, that's the idea here. You know, I was thinking about Jesus. We, we read about Jesus here, you know, um, in our Bibles, in the Gospels. And think about how Jesus walked this earth, right? And I was thinking of specifically the disciples. I mean, how many times, you know, he's like, Hey, isn't this what I said? You know, right? Like, like they, they were in storms on, on the Sea of Galilee twice. But even on the second time, they're like, oh, we're going to die, right? I mean, how many times? Or remember when Jesus provided uh, the bread for the thousands, yeah? Even the second time, they're like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, no, you know. But Jesus just kept going. Even Jesus told them, at, at least we know in the Gospels three times, hey, you guys, we're going to go to end up in Jerusalem. And, and you know what? We're, oh, there I'm going to be betrayed uh, by the, the religious leaders. And they're going to turn me in, betray, and I'm going to be put, around, put up on the cross and die. But, you know, in three days I'm going to rise again. But did they hear that? No. When it all started to unfold, they're like, ah, oh, their whole world fell apart. I mean, I, I could see Jesus like, oh, come on, you guys, you know. I, I, I mean, isn't that what we do? I told, how many times I told you, yeah? And it, you're just annoyed about that. And even, how about the religious leaders who are constantly dogging him, right? Constantly trying to trap him. Constantly accusing him. And when he was standing before Pilate, right? Did he, did, and, and the Jewish leaders were falsely accusing him. What did he do? He kept quiet. He kept quiet. First Peter uh, 2, 3, no wonder he writes, Peter wrote, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him 
who judges justly. I think we need to look to Jesus in this example. How do we live that? Well, well, look how he lived. Look how he submitted himself to God. And he was patient. And he suffered long. And he stayed quiet. Love is not irritable. Love is patient. Love doesn't lash out. Love doesn't have a short fuse. You know, I, I'll tell you, it's hard, right? Catch me on a bad day, right? Catch me on those days when, when things aren't going right, when things aren't going in the way that I expect, when, 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 when things go in the way that I want or they're not done in the way I want it. Or, or how about this? When you don't hear things in the way you want to hear things. Yeah? I mean, that's me. You know, uh, on those bad days, on those things that are constantly going, I mean, I, I can be patient. But when it's like one after another, one after another, you start getting annoyed. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, kind of thing, right? And, and it comes out. The anger comes out, the hostility, the emotions rise. I mean, just ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you, oh, yeah, watch out for him. No. <laughs> but see, God is working on me too. And, and that's why I say this is all for me also, you know. This is for all of us. God is showing me. You know what God's showing me in this? And, and I was thinking about this meditating like, in my kind of type A personality where my things got to be organized the way I want it. Where my things got to go the way I want it. When, when, when my, my, the execu- execution of things has to go in the way I want it. You know what? I, I, I've been realizing that it, it's like an idol for me. Yeah? If it's not done to that T, that exact thing oh i'm 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 getting angry i'm irritable and i'm realizing that irritability rises from my love for perfection and it supersedes the love i should have for others it's an idol it really is it's an idol my flesh wants to make it all about what i love yeah but god's saying No, make it about true love, about what we're learning here today. Billy Graham once said this. He said, true love is always costly. Think about that. It's true, isn't it? I mean, not just, oh, we sacrifice our money and we give, or or we take the time to help someone out. But you know what? This This quote spoke to me in this way. It cost me me. I need to deny myself. I need to die to myself. I need to put myself aside. Because so many times, it is about me. I'm demanding, and then if it doesn't happen, I get irritable about that. So, Billy Graham's right. True love is always costly. And you know what? I need to lay myself down. Don't we need to do that? That's when we'll find this true love. That's when we'll really realize and see agape love working in our lives. So, what is, what is love? Well, number one, love is not demanding. Number two, love is not irritable. And number three, love is not resentful. This is a big one. Love is not resentful. It goes on here in, in verse 5. 
it says that it is not irritable or resentful. So it is not resentful. Now, the Greek word here, the original word that the New Testament is written in, is this. Logizomai. Logizomai. L-O, if you're taking notes. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. And it means to put to one's account. That's what it means. It means to keep a record. It really is used as an accounting word here. Uh, uh, Like a bookkeeper will put in their ledger like, oh, well, this is what is old. It's those numbers, you know, that are put down in the column there in an accounting record. The NLT, the New Living Translation, translates it this way. It, love, keeps no record of being wrong. And I think that hits it on the nail, what the Apostle Paul is really putting out here. Love does not hold a record against someone who's wronged you. That's love. Or maybe let's put it this way. Love does not hold grudges. Yeah? Love does not hold grudges. But, but love lets it go. Love lets go of them. Love doesn't take... Keep books on the wrongs that others have done to them. Now, we understand bookkeeping. I mean, in a business or maybe even our personal finances, we, we got to log things down, right? We got to keep track and we call it up afterwards, yeah, because we got to pay our taxes. Oh, it's tax season right right now. So you go back through your records, you're calculating things, you're, you're putting things together. And, but that's in, in a business sense or your personal finance sense. But when it comes to relationships, it is not love to keep a record of a person's wrong. So you see the contrast? You see the difference here? We are not to do the same thing we do maybe with our finances. Love doesn't keep books. Paul's writing here that that love doesn't keep records even from the past. And you go back, yeah, over and over them. You you make memories of them in your mind, so you, you go back over them. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't pile them up, yeah, so that one day uh, you have a pile of wrongs that, that justify your hostility, that justify your anger, that justify you. Well, I, they did this to me, so I can take vengeance on them, and I can hate them because of that. That's not love. It keeps no records of, of, of the wrongs. Love is not resentful. Love doesn't even rehearse. Do you ever do that? I do that. <laughs> rehearse in your mind? Oh, look what they did over and over. You, you play that DVD, you know, you hit play, rewind, play, rewind, play, yeah? Because in your mind, you're taking revenge. In your mind, you're like nursing that hurt, and you're, you're going to get back. Yeah? Love is not resentful. And let me say this. Love knows this, that resentment is not good for you, right? It's bad for you spiritually, it's, it's bad for you mentally. It's, it, it doesn't help you emotionally. And even people who hold on to resentment, it's bad for them physically. I mean, what happens when we get ang- hurt and we get angry and get resentful? It turns to what? 
bitterness. And bitterness will eat you up from the inside. It will affect you physically. It, it really will. So love, what God is calling us to do, is not resentful. It's, it, it's the opposite, you guys. Love is the opposite. It, 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 love is gracious. Love is forgiving. Yeah, maybe someone did wrong, but you give grace. You forgive them. Turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Proverbs 10, chapter 10, verse 12. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Love is not resentful. And in Proverbs 10, 12, it, said, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. I like that. This is how you deal with your resentment. You know it's going to lead to hate. And hate, hatred, it stirs up strife. It, it's not good for you. Inside you, between other people, relationships. But you know what? Love love covers those offenses. Yeah, you may have been wrong. But love covers those offenses. You pour love on that. That's what you do. That's what God is calling us to do. To give grace to forgive, love is not resentful. You know, uh, during New Year's, when, when we, you light off your fireworks, you know, we always uh, have nearby, have a big bucket of water, yeah? Take the hose, fill it up with water, maybe halfway or more. And um, as soon as you're done with that sparkler, right, what do you do? You, I, I, we, I have everyone in the habit throwing that into the bucket of water. You blast something off, well, when it's cooled down, grab it, throw it in a bucket of water because it, it's still smoldering, right? When you throw it in the water, it, it douses it, yeah? It puts it totally out. It smolders no more. Well, that's the idea. Love will cover and douse anything that's smoldering in there. That's what we need to do. We need to give this agape, unconditional love anything that's smoldering, and drop it into the bucket of God's love. You know, by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, He puts that love in us. We have that in us. And we need to douse it with God's love, with this thinking, with this mindset we have here. You know, in um, Ephesians chapter four thirty-two and um if you want to turn there, you can. If I don't have it going up on the screen. But in Ephesians, it says in Ephesians 4.32, actually in 4.31, it says 33, no, 31. <laughs> it says, uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then the last verse in Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what God is calling us to, you guys, to love in that way. Because isn't that what God did for us? Didn't He give us grace? Didn't He forgive us? Didn't, wasn't He long-suffering and patient with us? Romans 4, 8 says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The word count there is that same Greek word, 
Logan's, uh, Logan's oh my, that bookkeeping term. God is not doing that for us. Then shouldn't we forgive also? We understand God's forgiveness if you've been in the church for a while, right? We understand with Christ dying on the cross, atoning for our sin, that now God can forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. And with that, God separates our sin from the east to the west, the psalm says. Or like Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no Sometimes I think, well, wait, doesn't God know everything? Is he like, oh, wait, no. Yeah, you, you know, no, he doesn't hold it against us anymore. That, that's really the idea. And shouldn't you and I do the same? Isn't that something that we need to do since God has done it for us? How could we be hypocritical and not give grace, not forgive? How can we still be holding their wrongdoing, right, against us we 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 shouldn't we can't you might say well it's hard to get it out of my mind well real forgiveness is forgiving them someone suggested love does not forgive and forget but rather remembers and still forgives that's true forgiveness i like that love is not resentful it gives grace it gives forgiveness. You know, there's this old story uh, said in Spain, and his father and his teenage son, they, they became estranged. There's some stuff that erupted between them. And the son ran away because of it. Well, the father in his heart finally, you know, was able to forgive, and, and he set out to find him. He searched, and he searched for months, but to no avail. Finally, in the last-ditch effort, the father put out an ad in a local paper in Madrid. And in this ad, it read like this. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Well, when Saturday came, there was a hundred Pacos that showed up looking for forgiveness and love. Paco's a, a very common name. But think about that story. We all yearn for that, don't we? We yearn for forgiveness in our relationships. We, we yearn for making things right. Don't we yearn for that? You have it from God. Jesus, through Jesus, we have it. Well, now we can give it because of God. And in that opportunity we need to do that god has given us the opportunity to forgive one another so what is not love well love is not demanding love is not irritable love is not resentful and our last answer to what is not love number four is love is not into doing wrong love is not into doing wrong and here we cross over to verse 6. It says here, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Now, uh, it goes on actually in this phrase. It says, but rejoices with the truth. But we're going to catch that next time. We're going to take this first half. But I wanted to focus in on how love does not rejoice at 
wrongdoing. Wrongdoing, what are we talking about? Anything unrighteous, uh, evil, sin, wrongdoing. And, and when we talk about it doesn't rejoice in that. Rejoice means like to delight in that. So it does not like delight in wrongdoing. Or maybe think about it this way. It does not get satisfaction from wrongdoing. Or it does not justify wrongs. Love does not take pleasure in any wrongdoing. I, I was thinking about this from for a little bit, I was thinking, you know, if you really think about this, love, agape love, which comes from the Lord, this agape love is what, if it comes from God, it's holy. It's pure. Yeah. So how can love from God have any wrongdoing, sin or evil or, or anything, unrighteousness in it? No, it, it should not at all. And I think we mess up true love when we allow those things in it and call it love. Uh, John MacArthur said this. Um, I'll just read it to you. Listen, and I, I, I think this was profound for me. He wrote, when the image of God was marred, love was marred, and so man is loveless. Unregenerate man is loveless, and the Christian man functioning in the flesh is loveless. That really hit my heart. Like, oh, yeah, if we think about it, if we connect it to, oh, yeah, our fallen nature doesn't really know how to love. Doesn't really know how to even take God's love and give it. When we try, just do it on our own. When we think, oh, yeah, I'll be unconditional. But we're not. It has to be through the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand that this love is holy, it's pure, it's from God. So, the fourth thing here today is that love is not into doing wrong. It's not going to connect there. It's going to be separate. Agape flows from the holy, pure love of God. And so, real love is going to flow in that way too. Love is not into doing wrong. Cement this into your mind, you guys. Especially, yeah, when the boyfriend says, hey, babe, says to the girlfriend, hey, I really love you. Let's go get this hotel room. Let's go sleep together. Let's go, what does the world say? Make love, right? That's not love, it's lust. Because we understand the Bible is clear that sex before or outside of marriage is sin. It's wrong. That's not love. True love, true agape will not go against what the Word says. And this love is pure and holy as much as God is. That's love, you guys. So keep that in your mind. That love, whatever, however you may define it, you better define it in a way that's biblical. Because love is not into doing wrong. And let, let me put one more thing out here. With this love, love does not rejoice or is glad or take delight when bad things happen to the other person. Right? I mean, I, I, I know how we can be. Yeah? Oh, someone hurt me. And uh, you know, you're, you're almost like wishing something happened to you because, oh, you're Christian enough that you're not going to go do anything. But hey, you're secretly, God, get him. Yeah? God, get him. 
I hope they crash, you know. Right? Why? Because our vengeful own fleshly heart. And we take the light in those thoughts when we play that DVD. It's wrong, you guys. Love is not into doing wrong. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Love is not, ha, see, I knew it. I knew it. See, it doesn't say that. Serves them right. How many times have we said that? Serves them right. We should be brokenhearted for them. Yeah. We should humble ourselves. That perhaps God's given us grace and we, it didn't happen to us in the same way. Yeah. We should not have satisfaction over someone else's downfall. We shouldn't be partaking and drinking in gossip of someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, see, I, yeah. And taking delight. Love, that's not love. Love is not into doing wrong. Love is not into sin. It gives grace and forgiveness. Well, we're going to stop here until next week. But I wanted to, again, put out to you that God is calling each and every one of us to a higher level. There's four things we covered today, four things last week, the week before also. Go back over them. Don't let these weeks roll by without really you setting them inside your heart, working on those things, going to God in prayer and asking the Spirit to help you in these areas because we've all messed up in that. But God is calling us to root out these things that we have allowed. Maybe you're good in some of these, some of these things, you know. So you're good in maybe three or four things, but these other four, ah. Uh, but you, you know what we do? We, we do, we focus in on what we're good at and say, yeah, I'm okay. We pat our own back and say, yeah, I got them. And we're like neglecting what's over here, right? God is calling us in each of these areas, in these attributes, to deal with them, deal with the issues, deal with your own heart here. And I'll tell you, if God is calling us to do that, to root out the troubles here, you know what? The Holy Spirit is there helping you. It's not like, you better do this. The Lord's not like, you better do this or I'm going to zap you. (laughs) No, He's right there molding, shaping you. He's right there empowering you. The Holy Spirit is, is working in your heart to bring out the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5. What's the first one? Love. I mentioned that already. Love. So there's hope for all of us. Kristen says, yeah, there's hope for my husband. No. (laughs) Yeah, because God is at work. There's hope, you guys. Maybe you've struggled with resentment. Maybe you struggle with, with being irritable and always flying off the handle. But God wants to free you of that. He really does. He's bringing us the knowledge of what love really is so that we would be aware, so that God would, 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 you know, expose our faults here so that we can grow and move forward in our lives. That's what the Lord is doing right now. That's what He's doing this month. That's, That's what He's doing for us to set us up a foundation of what true love is so we can live it out this whole year.
and be a light of what? The love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ. This is what will bring healing. This is what will actually help you. Love is actually healing. I'll close with this. I, I, read, I came across this story. I heard the story of this care, uh, caretaker of the cemetery was summoned um, to the window of this car driven by the chauffeur. He came up to that window, and the window rolled down, and there sat this elderly woman who was too weak to, and too ill to get out and walk. She introduced herself and then told him that she had been sending $5 a week for flowers to be laid on the grave of her husband. And this day that she came, she only came because doctors told me, she said, I only have a few weeks to live. So I came myself. Well, the caretaker of this, this graveyard, the cemetery, he kind of blinked in realizing the mistake that had been made where the flowers were to go. He apologized to the elderly lady and, and told her that, you know, the, 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 the money you sent specifically for flowers, they were being actually sent to hospitals and mental institutions. For I realized they are so happy to see them, to actually have flowers, to, to smell them. And, and these are, well, living people who are appreciative, and they don't get out too much. Well, hearing that, the elderly woman sat there for a moment without a word. Then she just signaled the chauffeur to just drive away. Her window went up, and the car drove away. Well, some months later, the caretaker was surprised to have another visit from this elderly lady, even more surprised to see her actually driving the car. With a friendly smile, she said, I, guess what? She said, I now take the flowers to the people at the hospitals to myself. She told the caretaker, you were right. It does make them happy. And well, it makes me happy too. And you know what? She said, the doctors don't know what is making me well. And she said, but I do. I have somebody else to live for. Only true agape can do this. And this is the love that touches others. Let's pray. God, our hearts are sore, Lord, because we're not perfect in any of these things. Already four things is a lot. It's a lot for me, God. One would have been enough. Already eight things, 12 things we have talked about. But Jesus, we know that you're calling us to love like this. God, you're laying out before us the understanding what true agape love is. What it means, what it looks like, how to live it out. How to live out unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love. God, your word is so precise. And you have precisely cut down into our hearts, exposing the lack of love we really show. God, forgive us 
for being proud and prideful about, oh, now I get this. I'm fine. But we're not. And in many ways, we're really in bondage to ourselves, to our emotions, to our tempers, to our idols that we have set up for ourselves. But today, God, we're learning. Today, we are receiving. Today, this moment, as we bow our heads and humble ourselves before you, God, we want to say we want to be different from now on. Lord, I know that we cannot do it on our own. It has to be by your strength. It has to be by your transformation. But I know what your word says, that you are creating us into new beings, new people, people of God, children of God, people who will shine your light. And it's your work, God. So do your work within us, Lord. And we know it's possible, Jesus, because you died on the cross, you rose again from the dead, you paid for our sins, and you conquered sin and death when you were alive again and make us alive with this love today. God, I pray right now that you would do a deep spiritual work, that your Holy Spirit would have his way in our hearts, that we would not resist anymore, God, that you would free us from the bondage of things that we have allowed to bind us, to chain us. But God, you set people free, and you will set us free right now. So we humble ourselves before you, opening our hearts to you, surrendering to you. We are asking for your forgiveness, Lord, for another day and moment of grace, Lord, that you may help us right now. Help us, Jesus. We call out to you in your name, Jesus. Amen.